friends, and welcome to an episode of Crunch Time with Caitlin, which is a Cleveland sports podcast where I rant about whatever's in the title and have lively discussions with guests from time to time. So I hope you stick around and I hope you enjoy. It's May 22nd, and the Guardians are four and a half games out of first place. What to do, what to do. We've been in a very similar spot last year with this team. They're 20 and 26. The offense looks anemic. The starting pitching has been actually halfway decent, especially since they called up Tanner Bivey and Logan Allen. And the bullpen is... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the bullpen is right now. Whether they're overused with guys like Stefan and Classe, You know, Hench is just coming back. Karen Check is a, a lost cause. So, four and a half games out. And towards the end of May. What to do, what to do. And I'm sitting here thinking... Because I, here's the thing, I get very angry watching these games, especially when they blow it, when they had great opportunities to win. You know, the, the term like live and die which is basically me, to a T. Now, is it stupid when there's 162 games? Yes. So sometimes I gotta like, you know, I go to bed angry, I wake up and I go, oh, all right, well, today's a new day because there's a game today, type type of mentality but I was thinking about it all day today and I was thinking about it last night and there's been a lot of like discussions well should Cleveland trade Bieber um you know the whole Bo Naylor thing he gets sent back down <laughs> like I don't know I don't know I know the the Bo Naylor thing is that they're trying to avoid the super two arbitration and if that means calling him up for the long term in the middle of June so they don't have to give him a, a boosted uh, second year of arbitration or whatever, they're going to do that. It is what it is. That's how small market teams, you know, run run their teams, run their business. And for that, I can't fault them. Today, Hunter Gaddis is going to pitch, and who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, and, and a lot of people are are begging for them uh, to bring up Gavin Williams. And in reality, that doesn't really make much sense because why add Gavin Williams to the 40-man and start the clock on him for his service time when in two weeks you're going to have Tristan McKenzie and Aaron Savali back in the rotation and you're going to have to make a decision about either Logan Allen or Tanner Bybee getting, getting bumped out. That's just the reality of it. So, which is why I think a lot of people are like, all right, trade Bieber right now. Teams would have, the team going to acquire him will have the rest of this year and next year to kind of make a run with him. Um, and then Cleveland could have Tristan, Kel, Bybee, Allen, and then Savali as like the, the as the, the, the five, um, guys in the rotation or you know 
if you want to make it six, if whatever you think of Savali, you know, I, I don't know, like, would you send him down? Maybe you bring up Gavin Williams and he's, you know, you subtract five year or Logan Allen. Like, I, I don't know. But ever since they called up those two young pitchers, the, the rotation has very much, like, settled down. Um, so I have no real issues with that. They've been, <laughs> even when they weren't pitching well, like, they were still giving you halfway decent opportunities to, uh, you know, to win games. Except when Banfield was pitching. That guy's awful. I have no... At that point, just have please I be the fifth guy. And I know he was struggling and everything, but for real. At least he could navigate through a lot of these lineups, a lot of the lineups that, like, he went up against throughout his entire career, the White Sox, the Twins, the Tigers. You can't tell me that Plezak didn't give you a better opportunity um, in in those games. Now, I know Banfield had, like, a perfect game, but the analytics showed, like, he was awful and that it was a lot of luck. So, with that all being said, with Battenfield on the injured list now and like Hunter Gaddis back up. We'll we'll see what he does. I think he's probably more projected as a bullpen guy and probably even Battenfield too. But I mean, it, it, again, it is what it is. We're wasting too much time talking about guys who aren't really long for the rotation anyway. The Karen check thing, I just don't really understand. The The analytics say that he's lost a lot of spin on his fastball. Everything's flat. He's an erratic pitcher anyway with his curveball. And in a bubble, I actually kind of understand Francona's thought process of, well, <clears throat> you have a lot of guys like Sandlin, like De Los Santos, kind of, um, Eli Morgan, where they're... Maybe, maybe more like Eli Morgan and, and uh, Nick Sandlin. Like, they're not huge strikeout pitchers, and they're going to put the ball in play. As with Karinchek, if there's a couple runners on, yeah, he's going to walk a couple guys. But he's, you know, he can strike out anybody. And that's that's what you're going for. You need a strikeout or whatever. Now, the, <laughs> the issue is that Karinchek has basically become a one-true-outcome pitcher where it's strikeout, walk, home run, <laughs> given up, and you can't have that. So I don't understand continually going to him, and especially in a situation against Pete Alonso, who's the number one home run hitter in baseball, to bring in Karinchek, who gets behind in the count and then is forced to basically groove one right down the middle, and Pete Alonso hits a grand slam. Doesn't make much sense to me. Whereas in, if you bring in Sandlin, okay, maybe you induce a ground ball, you give up a one run, and, you know, you <laughs> you, you trade two, uh, you a run for two outs. Again, you're also not banking on Sam Henches, who's been really good. I think it was only his third or fourth um, uh, game pitched this year to go out there and walk two lefties. Again, you can't account for those things, really. And then, Class A. The issue with Class A is, I think, a couple things. Number one, I think the pitch clock, and it's been mentioned that a few times, but I think, you know, the reason why we were so optimistic for the 
fan of the shift was that it was going to give teams like Cleveland uh, an opportunity to, to create more space, to hit more base hits. And I think it's become the opposite with Class A, where like normally in, in years past where with the shift, guys are just hitting it up the middle, like solve contact. And, you know, because your, your, your shift isn't as extreme as it was in years past, those hits are kind of going through. Now, it is concerning that, you know, the whiff rate and he's not getting much swing and miss and his strikeouts are down. Um, so, obviously, that factors into it a lot, too. But I think just the, the, the soft contact that he creates or the softer contact and, you know... He's just been, I think, kind of unlucky, especially with the extra inning stuff where if it comes down to it, I don't I don't know if he can be the closer in extra inning games. And I know that's like crazy to say because if you score because because he's gonna give up that contact, like, you know, whether it's a ground ball to, to second with nobody out, where that runner goes to third, and then you know, a sack fly, uh, a sack fly, you know, ties up the game and he gets a blown save. So I think the the numbers, I think he's been unlucky with the amount of extra inning games, the contact, especially like little choppers up the middle that I think in years past, because of the shift, would have not been, um, wouldn't have been out, or would have been out and not been hits. And then... But obviously, like, not getting the swing and miss when you need it. And especially, like, you know, because I, I, I was interested, um, the hit against Alvarez to tie the game in Friday's game. I mean, that had a ba- expecting batting average of around 300. I think it was, like, three, 340, which is actually, like, obviously pretty good. But in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of unlucky that that kind of went through. You know what I mean? And it just went underneath uh, Ramirez's glove, if I remember correctly. Um, the Jeff McNeil infield hit had <laughs> like a point zero five six. If I again, this is all just based off of memory. It, it had a very low expected batting average, and when you have Ahmed Rosario playing shortstop, who is, I think, um, from what I saw the worst defensive player in baseball right now, that is not going to help you at all. Especially when this team is just filled with shortstops. Obviously, Gabriel Arias is playing everywhere but shortstop. Um, Tyler Freeman can't find the field. And then you have Jimenez, who's a gold glove second baseman, but truly, he's a shortstop. And then you have, obviously, Rokio, uh... Which, it was funny that he had an error. It, you know, the, the game that Rokio starts at shortstop. He grounds into a double play, swinging at the first pitch, and then has an error. And I was like, well, he's obviously the heir apparent uh, shortstop to Ahmed Rosario. So, um, <laughs> it, again, the the irony of it. But then, you know, Rokio played, I believe, the day game in Chicago uh, and, and played pretty well at third base, if I remember correctly. But, but it's just so funny that, you know, we have all these shortstops 
and we're just stuck or we're stubborn with Ahmed Rosario hitting second and playing shortstop every single day when in reality he's not going to be on this team next year so what are we doing and because he's been so bad defensively you can't say like well all right if you want to take it to where you want to hit him second it's stupid but whatever it's not what I would do but for him to continue to play shortstop and then you have Arias playing right field it just it just doesn't make it doesn't make any sense because you had Rosario for the first two years in Cleveland in spring training playing the outfield throughout the entire spring training he was playing center field and left field uh, his first year in, in 2021 and then last year he was in the outfield and he played what two games last year in left field one was the the first game of the year in just disastrous wind conditions in Kansas City. And then the second time was like a month later in Chicago. Again, crazy wind conditions. And then he misplaced two balls and was like, oh, well, that's it. Where it's like, hey, <laughs> just move him to right field for now on. And like, I, I just, I don't understand the stubbornness with that one specific player. It just... It just doesn't make sense to me. And he's a good athlete. He should be able to translate. I mean, if Arias is is able to play a halfway decent right field, and I know that like late in games they like to move Arias to first and then, you know, Will Brennan goes to the outfield, so you're losing a Mets bat or whatever. But it's like this is also to help the team defensively like overall. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And it sucks that even like a guy like Josh Naylor, who wasn't a good outfielder anyway, and then after obviously after the injuries, like he's not gonna play outfield anymore. Even though he I believe he played like one game, I think it was in, in Seattle he played right field, um, for an inning. But it's like ideally maybe you'd have him you know, just to be able to keep everybody's bat in the lineup, like have him play some right field at times, um, have you know Josh Bell play first, even though he's horrific at first base, too. DH Ahmed, I guess, and then have Arias play short. Again, ideally. So, but I, I just I just don't understand, truly. Because then you could, okay, Naylor goes to first. Two, he's actually a halfway decent defensive first baseman. Brennan is good in the outfield, even though offensively, Honestly, he just reminds me of Tyler Naquin 2.0. Like, can't hit anything fast and can't hit anything high. So, like, I don't know. And we sent down Oscar for kind of the same reason, but because (laughs) Brennan is good defensively, but really isn't hitting, it's like, we're going to keep him here. Okay. It just just doesn't make much sense. And I think with the whole Jimenez struggling, it's, I think there's a lot of, factors into it where okay teams have kind of game planned around him but there's also really no protection for him whereas in last year he could kind of you know you know hide under the radar a little bit um hitting lower in the lineup where this year I feel like you know usually guys who guys who struggle you move them out of like more advantageous like situations 
So, like, Ahmed, like, you would move out of two because he was struggling. But I think the opposite could be for Jimenez, where it's like, have him hit second or third. Ideally, I would hit Jose second and then Jimenez third. But even if you wanted to go Juan Jimenez, uh, Jose, just to have, um, or just for Andres to have some type of protection behind him that isn't either Will Brennan or Mike Zanino or Miles Straw. Because in reality, those guys aren't threats. And Zanino's just been, God, you want to light $6 million on fire? Like, <laughs> just give it to Mike Zanino. But at least, at the very least, it would give him some protection. It would force teams to actually throw him pitches in the strike zone. And then I would maybe see, you know, what he could do. But I'm not, like, I'm not super down on, on Jimenez. I think that would actually help him a lot more. Because then, you know, Ahmed, he does, like, he does strike out a lot. But he puts the ball in play at times. He's been actually halfway decent with runners in scoring position. Move him down in the lineup to give him more opportunities for that. And, you know, just see what happens. Just shuffle up the lineup. Because every day going Juan, Rosario, Ramirez, and then either Naylor or Bell or whatever... Like, it's not working. Like, the offense is anemic. It is terrible right now. There's no life to it. And we're just hoping that Jose can save us. And he's been. But, like, that's been it. That has been it. And they gotta get creative to get, you know, Tyler Freeman some at-bats. Because (laughs) all this kid does is hit. He puts the ball in play. So... And he plays halfway decent defense. He was a top prospect for a reason. What are we doing? If you don't want to, again, fully turn it over to um, Brian Rocchio, fine, whatever. I I mean, it's not fine, it's not whatever. But then give Tyler Freeman the opportunity. Give Arias the opportunity to to play shortstop every day. But obviously the way they see it is that it's going to be Rokio's job, because I bet they like him, because obviously his glove, but he's a switch hitter. Which is why we've seen Arias play so many different positions, just to get his bat in the lineup. And honestly, I've seen his approach, you know, change up a little bit, where it was very long, and he was striking out a ton. He was swinging and missing on pitches literally right down the dick, like right down the middle. But now it's like, alright, well, you know, he's able, he's driving the ball to the opposite field, which is great to see. And it's like, all right, well, yeah, this is finally why we've seen, like, this is what we've seen in AAA all last year when he was healthy and in spring training where he could drive the ball and he's got some pop. It's like, all right, well, all right, we're seeing it now. And maybe it's more playing time, but it's also like, it's also tough as a young player to go, all right, you're playing first base today and then right field this day and then oh yesterday you're playing shortstop and he's playing a good shortstop too so it's it's like what are, like what are we doing you know if you want to make him a full-time outfielder fine like i like i don't know ideally probably he's going to be a platoon guy he's going to play some right field and play some first base is that but like for the time being is that what's best for the team no not when a med is literally killing you at shortstop. I mean, I don't have to tell you that if you're listening to this. Shortstop, an extremely important position defensively. 
hello. And his his bet isn't like saving <laughs> like it isn't isn't a net positive for the for you know, isn't making up for the the putrid the putrid defense that Rosario is bringing. And at that point, again, if you're in Med Rosario, I know next year the shortstop class in free agency is it's basically a Med Rosario. So I don't really know what teams or you know the value of a Med Rosario is going to be on an open market. But hey, even if he goes to play some right field just to show some versatility, like that is only going to help him when he hits free agency. I don't really think you. Oh well, he was a shortstop the entire time, and then, you know, next thing you know, he's playing outfield, and oh, he must suck. Like we're not going to sign him as a shortstop. It's like no te- teams that are desperate for shortstops are going to sh- are going to try to sign him. So, like I, again, I don't even understand. Like this isn't helping him at all. <laughs> it's just not, and I think. You know, another issue with the lack of a shift is that it is putting it's show it's showing the shortcomings of Rosario defensively. Last year in twenty twenty one, Rosario was awful. And whether you're listening to this on um, leadoff talk and you've been a long time listener, you knew you know how much I ranted about Rosario's uh, shortstop abilities. We had he's a great athlete, but he was just kind of. I don't know, like, kind of clunky with some of, like, fielding the ball. It was really weird because, again, athletically, he's amazing. He could, one of the fastest players, but it it just, he looked very stiff. And he still looks very stiff at at shortstop. Last year, you could see that, okay, they worked with him, and he looked like a halfway decent shortstop. Still not great, but hey, average to just a little bit below average. You could deal with that, but now it's like you are the worst, and you're not—you're not really hitting, you're not doing much. I, again, average-wise, he's been best, but the uh, uh, the slugging percentage and on-base percentage, not really great overall this month. So, what I, I just don't understand—just not moving a med to right field. And then having one of the young guys just play shortstop every day. I, I just... And even if you want to... If you want to give Josh Bell a day off or Josh Naylor a day, day off, then put Tyler Freeman at short. Because he's been halfway decent too. And then you could put Omar Arias at first. And then Ahmed in in right field. Like I, I just don't understand the stubbornness um, when it comes to this one player who, again, isn't going to be on the team next year. I just, it just dumbfounds me. I, I just don't understand. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the catching situation because we basically went a whole half of a month without a starting catcher uh, getting a hit, and then Cam Gallagher gets a couple hits. Zanino legs out an infield hit uh, yesterday for his first hit of the month. Meanwhile, Bo Naylor is just like, sitting there chilling in AAA and again they're just trying to manipulate a service time so they don't have to so he doesn't become a super two arbitration guy it it sucks but you know what what can you say um 
I didn't expect, like, I knew, I, I, I legitimately, I thought it, it was a low-risk, you know, high-reward type guy for, for Zanino, because if he was healthy, if he played, like, 2021, where he hit 30 home runs, yeah, he struck out a ton, and he only hit 200, and, you know, halfway decent catcher uh, for a good, um, for a good Tampa team, you know, you're like, all right, well, cool. And then by the end of the year, he becomes a platoon guy against lefties, and then you have Naylor against righties. Sure, fine, whatever. But now, like, I just don't know how you can start him <laughs> at, like, any, at any point right now. I mean, at least Cam Gallagher. Cam Gallagher is actually, what, the best or second best defensive catcher in baseball right now? Meanwhile, Zanino, you could tell, like, Shane Beaver does not like throwing a Zanino, especially after that Chicago game where he had the defensive catcher's interference and then um, defensive, like, it's football. Uh, but, but he had the, catcher, uh, the catcher's interference, and then the whole inning kind of implodes. They give up, what, six runs that inning uh, after it would have been just a ground ball to first with two outs, and the inning would have been over. But And... Zanino has already cost Beaver a couple games this year. He cost him to start in Oakland, where he, again, he wouldn't block a ball. He's, like, the worst uh, catcher as it, for, for blocking pitches in baseball. Like, I like I don't know. And, again, it's kind of like Ahmed. If he was hitting well and he was actually, like, boosting your offense, you, you kind of deal with the, the shortcomings defensively. But when you're... Sh- <laughs> when your bat isn't doing anything in Zanino's case and he's been a detriment to your your pitching staff like I don't really know <laughs> what more what more can what more can you do what more can, <laughs> what more like of the evidence that you have, like, how do you continue to put this guy in the lineup other than you're paying him $6 million and you don't want to, like, DFA him or something? And again, against lefties, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, mind. Okay, he's a platoon bat against lefties. Yes, you're still paying him $6 million to do that, but it is what it is at this point. At least Cam Gallagher is kind of like off some hedges where whatever you get offensively is a plus, but the way he manages the game... The way he plays defense, you kind of deal, you kind of just deal with it. But it also just sucks that Bo Naylor is basically ready to go in AAA, and that we have to sit through this for another two, three weeks until they, you know, the arbitration thing and the service time gets manipulated, and you know he gets called up full time. And they'll paint it as well, you know, development and blah 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 blah. But we, you know, I know that it's just to manipulate service time, and it is what it is. And it just sucks that, you know, you look at Luke Maley's stats, who was halfway decent for us last year, even with a 220-something uh, average. This year, he's hitting, like, 286. And you're like, damn. But really, like, he wasn't that great of a hitter anyway. But again, it's, you know, he's putting up professional at-bats. He put up professional at-bats last year. Zanino is just, like, he would get on base more if he just didn't have a bat when he was up to hit. What are we talking about? At least Austin Hedges, like, he would strike out a ton. Or at least he would put the ball in play, even if it was, like, a shitty ground ball 
where he'd pop it up, uh, he'd pop up a pitch right down the middle. Like Zanino is just whiffing. And again, you deal with that if you're hitting 30 home runs from the catching position. You, I mean, you kind of just deal with it if you're hitting throw 30 home runs in general, but especially from the catching position. What he's doing now is he isn't even driving the ball. So what, again, I simply ask, what are we doing? Again, I understand he's a veteran. And, you know, Tito tries to do right by his guys. And I respect that. But you're not winning any games. He's been a detriment to your team, both offensively and defensively. I just... I just don't understand. And then you have a guy like David Fry who comes in periodically, you know, as a pinch runner or a defensive replacement or pinch hitter or something. And he gets, you know, even he has a couple hits. And he plays a halfway decent catcher for us. It's like, I know you don't want him catching full time. And I don't really know what you project him to be if he's just like a utility bench guy. You know, a third catcher or just a bat against left-handed hitting. But it's like, you know, maybe. Because he can't be as bad as what Zinino's been doing. Both offensively and defensively. It's just frustrating. You know, he's, you know, $6 million. Josh Bell. I gotta think that Josh Bell being, you know, you know what he is. You know, a professional, um... You know, long-standing MLB like player. Again, still young, but you know, he's gotten his flowers. Silver Slugger last year, All Star, um, once or twice. Uh, that he sh- he'll be able to turn it around, especially the average. But he's still walking at a really high rate, and at the very least, and it's kind of what I said when we signed him, he's kind of like having a Carlos Santana again, without the. Um, with a little bit higher batting average. Probably similar power-wise. I mean, Santana would get streaky and drive some. I mean, I think Bell only has two or three home runs on the year. Um, so, but, you know, he should kind of get right in that area. But again, walks. But defensively, not that great, obviously. Like, he dropped the ball, what was it, Friday? It was thrown right to him. He just dropped it. And honestly, just a little light turning point because of how lineups turn over and everything. If he just catches that ball, you know, maybe, you know, obviously it's like the butterfly effect, like, you know, stuff like that. But it's like if he catches that ball, you know, lineups don't turn over exactly the same way as they did. And maybe, you know, Kel, okay, has a one, two, three inning, and then he gets out of the inning um, has a quicker inning, uh, the inning, the next inning, because I, I think it was like the, f- I want to say that was like the fifth inning, and then the sixth inning, Cal came out, and then they had to bring in Henches, um, because he got into some trouble, so it's like, you know, maybe Cal's able to go to the sixth inning, and then in the seventh inning, you bring in, you know, Henches clean, without him having to, like, warm up, sit down, and then come back out to, to pitch, um, you know, again, just obviously butterfly effect, butterfly effects. But it's just like that little thing. It's kind of like Owen Miller last year. Like, what are you doing? You can't. You play awful in first base. You can't even catch the ball. You don't really even know how to field that position. Like, what the hell are we doing? 
and I know like Owen Miller's actually hitting halfway decent. And again, hitting wise, there's a difference between him hitting eighth in a Milwaukee Brewers lineup and him hitting fourth or fifth in the Guardians lineup. Like he's gonna see probably a little bit better pitches <laughs> um, as a lower hitter in a better lineup. And also maybe not playing first base. Because I don't think he's playing a ton of first base because they have Telez. I think he's playing a lot of second and third. Um, and those places, those positions were occupied. So, you know, for people killing him or killing the front office for getting rid of Owen Miller. You know, we saw flashes last year at times, especially early on. But him hitting fourth or fifth every single day and playing, I know the analytics say he was all right defensively at first base, but he was not good. I don't know. I'm not going to fret over, you know, losing Owen Miller or trading him to the Brewers. Like, And again, it's his hometown team, so maybe he's got a little kick in the ass. It's been, what, his second or third time uh, traded? So you never know. Um, but I did see, like, people are upset about the, uh, the hitting coach for Cleveland. And I thought that was really weird. Um... Because number one, like, we had Tyler Van Verkulio for how many fucking years? And <laughs> and you want to talk about frustrating, you know, from, I think it was, what, 2013 to 2021? He was our hitting coach. Like, do you remember those years? Hello? Do you remember all the swing and miss? And, and again, Cleveland hasn't done a good job of developing hitters. But now... Like, they're changing philosophies. They're trying to get more, like, put-the-ball-in-play type guys. Like, I know the numbers don't say, like, Stephen Kwan has, like, improved. But but if you look at some of the analytics, you know, he's he's making slight improvements um, based on last year. And I thought, and I think we all thought he was pretty good last year. I think the Jimenez thing is, you know, he's going through a lull, but I also think... Like I said, if you actually move him up in the lineup to give him better pitches, I think he would, you know, he would just do better. Um, Jose is Jose. I think Josh Naylor has taken a step from from years before to last year to this year. I think he's uh, improved as a player. Miles Straw, I don't think he was ever that great of a hitter anyway. Um so I guess you could kind of say he's declined. I mean, especially last year, but I think he just got into a funk. But again, defensively, you just kind of deal with it, I suppose. Um, but this year, again, he's had his ups and downs. But what do we want? We wanted like a 230, 240 hitter hitting ninth in the lineup who he'll take some walks. And that's, you know, I'm hoping that he hits a home run sometime this year to go two years without one. Um, but I'm hoping that that it happens. But you could, I, okay, you could say that Miles Straw has declined. Um, but again, all these guys are young. Oscar Gonzalez, we were praising with Oscar Gonzalez and, and Stephen Kwan, uh, Chris Valenka last year. But now, it's like, okay, because young players have, have, like, you know, went into a lull. We're going to completely, people want to completely fire the hitting coach? That doesn't really make much sense to me. Um, 
Has have they done a good job? No. Obviously, they're the, they're like a putrid offense. But this is what happens when you have a bunch of young guys. And last year, they were all clicking, especially at the end of the year. And then they went on their run. This year, when everybody's struggling, when even like the Josh Naylor and uh, Josh Bell are struggling, and Zanino, you know, guys who've been in the league for a long time are struggling. Ahmed Rosario are struggling. Like, everybody's going to struggle. So I think to, to just blame the hitting coach, like, I just, it just doesn't, doesn't make much sense to me. After, again, we were all like, hey, this guy's pretty good. He's completely changed the entire outlook of Cleveland. And they they brought him in probably because, all right, we see how the game's going. we got to put the ball in play more. This is our plan. We want you to kind of lead this plan. And, you know, so far, I mean, last year was good. This year, not so much. But I think the main thing that people are, are upset about, and this is why people are nervous, and I know this is the 30, let's see, 36, 37 minute mark of this podcast. The main reason why people are upset and nervous is because it it feels like there's no hope. Last year when they were struggling, they were struggling with players like Yu Chang, Bobby Bradley, uh, the other Logan Allen, Oscar Mercado. Those guys were playing a significant like role on this team. Where it where for this year you kind of went all in. You went all in on all your young players. So when Josh, so like I said when Josh Bell and Mike Zanino and Josh Naylor and Ahmed were all struggling. Well, you can't you can't just look at okay, Oscar Gonzalez save us. Well, it's like, well, again, he's going to struggle. Will Brennan is going to struggle. Arias is going to struggle and so on. But there's really no hope. Like, last year there was, well, Oscar Gonzalez is hitting the shit out of the ball. And Will Brennan is tearing up in double A AA and triple A. And, you know, oh, Tyler Freeman and Gabriel Arias, you know, before he before he got hurt um, last year. It's like, we all have these, th- these ideas of all these top prospects. And it's like, there's hope. Where for this year... On the 40-man, especially on the 40-man, you know, George Valera is is hurt. He was he got hurt in spring training. He was brought back. Now he's back on the, the injured list in AAA. Bo Naylor. Yes, Bo Naylor is probably the guy that people are like, hey, even if he could hit 240, it would be, <laughs> it would be an 80% uh, batting average increase. From whatever we're getting from the catcher, from your starting catcher right now in Mike Zanino, and it'd be like a hundred uh, increase, hundred twenty increase, than than Cam Gallagher, Brian Rocchio. You see, the, you know, hitting wise, he can't be as bad as Ahmed, and defensively he's way better than Ahmed. So it's like, let's make this change. But other than that. Like, especially with the outfield, your top prospect is George Valera, who was hurt in spring training, 
finally got back, and then is now on the injured list again in AAA. Richie Palacios, is he going to help you? No, he's not going to help you. Oscar Gonzalez, and their their thought process is, and I still think very highly of Oscar, if he's going to give you the same thing that Will Brennan is going to give you, then you might as well just keep Will Brennan because of his his glove in the outfield, which is, again, kind of like the opposite of Ahmed Rosario. But, you know, there's no there's no hope when it comes to hitters on this 40-man because Joe Kenzie Noel is 21 years old. He's probably a year or two away, and he's had his ups and downs in, in AAA. Not even just making an impact, but just ha- getting an opportunity to play. Um, Angel Martinez, another infielder. 21 years old. Jose Tina, 22 years old. Another infielder. Like, uh, <laughs> there is... Uh, <laughs> Juan Brito, another infielder, 21 years old. Unfortunately, they probably should have just kept Nolan Jones at this point. But, you know, whatever. Which is why they're, which is why they're throwing out Gabriel Arias, who was a top shortstop prospect. And putting him in the outfield. That's literally why. Because they don't have anybody. David Fry. Maybe he can play some outfield. Like I like I don't know. Like legitimately. I do not know. What they're going to have to do. Is they're going to have to make a trade. They have too many infielders. On their 40 man. And if. You know obviously the, the thought was always like. Oh go get Brian Reynolds. But it's like they need somebody like that. Obviously, like, not Brian Reynolds specifically, but a guy who's under team control going forward. The issue really is, is that there's not, (laughs) there's not many teams that are, like, looking to rebuild like that. I mean, the Nationals, the Nationals in their outfield, Alex Call is their starting left fielder. So you're not going to trade for somebody who you DFA'd last year. Like, I don't. Maybe Miami? Do you want to go out and pay the contract of Jorge Soler? I mean, I know he's hitting like 240. And he can hit some bombs. He's got like, what, 10, 11, 12 home runs? Maybe that wouldn't be half bad. Um, Cincinnati, their outfield? Uh, like, I don't know. Like, legitimately, I don't know. Oakland? Ramon Lariano, like, I know he's been linked to Cleveland a bunch, and they've had a lot of trades that, that were almost, obviously, Sean Murphy and and um, Matt Olson. But Lariano, like, does he move the needle that much? I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. The Royals just DFA'd Hunter Dozier, and it's funny because just last night I was, like, thinking, okay, if we go to make a trade to add a bad, I'm trying to go through every team, you know, the the AL East is kind of stuck with, okay, whoever makes the playoffs right there, but even the last place team is over 500 right now. So, what, like, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to go out and trade for Verdugo or somebody like that? No, that's not realistic. So, okay, forget about, forget about that. Um... The, the Central, the Royals, they got a bunch of young players in the outfield. The only veteran one was Hunter Dozier. I go, well, maybe, but do you want to play a 
pay a premium on, on Hunter Dozier, who's not good defensively and is a streaky hitter and who's struggled all year, and he just got DFA'd. So it's like, well, maybe you maybe you pick him up, but it's like you already have a 40-man logjam, which is why you didn't bring up Gavin Williams. Um, Again, the, the AL West, Oakland, like Tony Kemp. Do you move him? Do you try to trade for him and move him to the outfield? I know he played some left field, but can he play some right? Like again, Ramon Liriano, a Brent Rooker, but it's like the whole Brent Rooker thing just kind of scares me because it's like, is he just super hot right now, or did he actually kind of develop into a halfway decent, you know, power hitter? Um, the NL East, like I said, the Nationals. What Victor? You don't need another center fielder in Victor Robles. Um, again, Candelario, but he plays infield, so it's not like he plays like a ton of outfield. The the central, I mean, I guess it depends on towards the deadline, like if the Pirates kind of falter, but they're playing all their young guys too, so uh, especially in the outfield, and they just signed Brian Reynolds to a long-term contract. Um... Maybe, you know, a lot of people have speculated, okay, you trade Shane Bieber to the Cardinals, you get Jordan Walker, their top prospect and one of the top prospects in all of baseball. Does that help you, you know, with your hitting, but then you're also subtracting for the pitching? But then again, you could, again, add Gavin Williams to to your rotation. That might be worth it, depending on what it is and depending on what happens. But as of right now, like, as we project, again, is it probably the most, I don't know, I'm going to butcher this, but it's like, what's the smartest thing to do? Is it to just tank kind of this year after just winning the division, and you're only four and a half games out? You're in, like, the worst division in baseball. Whenever AL Central teams play each other, it just reminds me of Timmy and Jimmy from South Park fighting, because it's like... This is embarrassing. Nobody wants to see this. Yet somebody is going to win. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Um, but, like, like if the White Sox faltered, like, who do you want on the White Sox? You want Gavin Sheets? I mean, maybe. But, he again, doesn't play great outfield. But it is. Again, it is what it is. Or, again, are you just waiting for Valera to get healthy and for him to, you know, get his opportunity in the outfield. Like, I, like I, I don't know what's... I don't know. I don't know. But they need another bat. And what sucks is, like, they're just stubborn with certain players, especially Ahmed, where it's like this team and defensively would just look way better if they just shifted Ahmed Rosario to right field. And then had Arias play shortstop, at least for the time being, or Tyler Freeman play shortstop, and then have Arias um, kind of platoon in uh, in uh, uh, first base. So it's 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 annoying, honestly. It it just really is annoying, and I don't want to like definitely not like. Okay, after every loss, I'm like, I just want to not watch this team anymore. But every day, it's just like, keep 
<laughs> they keep rolling me back in. And it's it's just so frustrating. Because on paper, this is the same team as last year. With with some significant improvement. Even if Zanino's a wash from uh, offensively with Hedges. Even though it's not what we all projected it to be. You know, having Josh Bell hitting fourth or fifth playing first base or DH was better than whatever Owen Miller was going to give you. Now Owen Miller's actually hitting well, but it's like, again, whatever. But the fact that they're underachieving as an offense, when I think all you have to do is tweak just a couple things, move Jimenez up in the lineup, and... Because you're losing these games, like you have no margin for error. They've played so many one-run games. I think they're what nine and thirteen in one one-run games, or nine and fourteen in one-run games. Every game is is like a playoff game. It feels like with no margin of of error, and it, it's just so frustrating, man. It's just so frustrating. So because of that, like you might as well. Start playing the best defensive lineups, and that obviously doesn't. That obviously means Ahmed, you gotta move him, and I think he could be a halfway decent right fielder for the time being, and you just move Arias to short or wherever. It's it's just so frustrating, man. It's just it's frustrating because, like I said, there's no there's no hope really outside of Bo Naylor, like legitimately. Because even if you said Rokio, it's like we already have two shortstops on the roster who's not who's not taking over for Ahmed. So it's like okay. If Ahmed is just stuck there and we've all had to kind of accept that, well at least Bo Naylor offensively. <laughs> and probably defensively, especially for Mike Zanino, could do what <laughs> do what you wanted. Um, what you projected Mike Zanino to, to be for, for this team. Um, but it's like, we gotta play the numbers game and whatever. It's like, god damn, it's so, it's just so annoying. But like I said, that's why I feel so awful. Because there's no hope. There's no top prospect at all. That is just like, that's like there. You know what I mean? So, and again, if Valera was, was healthy... And hitting the shit out of the ball, I think he'd be up yesterday. Like, legitimately. But he's hurt, so it's like... The next best option is... What? Um, is Oscar Gonzalez again, and Will Brennan, and Arias playing right field, so... Man, it's just... It's just frustrating. So, I think that kind of talked me off the ledge a little bit just kind of ranting and you know sharing my thoughts because I I don't want to fully like say this team again after losses I say a bunch of crazy shit you know fuck this team I hate them I'm never gonna watch them again but every day I'm actually I'm gonna have to wrap this up and go watch them literally right now um but again, it, it's overreaction to losses in a 162-game season. Is that exactly the most sane thing to do? No, it's not. And I recognize that. Which is why 
I wanted to sit here and kind of process like all the thoughts that I've had and hit record and just kind of talk through a lot of the stuff. Um, and I think I hit on everything because it, because really the, the, what I really wanted to talk about, and I know it was so late in the podcast, but it was like, why the feel of all the doom and gloom? And it's like, well, it's because <laughs> there's truly nobody there to help this team in the minor leagues if Rosario has shortstop on lock for the rest of the year. And outside of Bo Naylor, like, can one guy transform an offense? Probably not. So it's like, you gotta get creative. And doing the same thing every single day, expecting a different result, is insanity. So, just move Jimenez up in the lineup to get him better pitches. Because I think, I legitimately think that that could change the offense. And plus, when it's Jimenez with runners in scoring position... You know, he hasn't been that great this year. Like, it's just a different dynamic. And if it's Jimenez and then Jose, like, I think teams are, they got to respect the lineup a little bit more than if it was Ahmed and then Jose. Even though Ahmed can get hot and go off for his three, four hit games and be a spark plug um, for for this offense in a game or two. Like we've seen the last few years. Because again, the issue with Ahmed is that by the end of the year, he's going to be the same player that he was last year and the year before. He's going to be a slightly above average hitter. Defensively, he's not going to be that great. But the numbers are still going to be, he's struggled the first couple months. And then the weather changes and he becomes like one of the hottest hitters in baseball. And then by the end, it'll even, it'll tail back at down, and then he'll be fine. Like, he'll end with, like, a 280 batting average. And you're like, oh, well, he had a pretty good year, but it's like, in reality, did he really when Defensively, he wasn't that great. And then the first, like, month or two, he really, really struggled and, you know, lost a lot of games for you <laughs> because of his bat and him grounding into double plays and stuff like that. Again, just... Just that simple move is what I would like to see. And I don't think it's something so drastic because then you have Ahmed hitting lower in the lineup where he's going to hit anyway, where he should be hitting anyway. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, why you expect so much from Andres? You paid him a bunch of money, yet you don't want to give him, put him in a better position to hit when you have Ahmed who on a better team is hitting lower in the lineup anyway. So. <sighs> but again, like I said, the whole reason why I wanted to do that and talk people kind of off the ledge a little bit is that, yes, there's no, like, people. why people are near the ledge anyway is because there's really no hope in these, um, in the minor leagues. So it's like, Go out and make a trade, which I think they've been, at least they've tried to. I mean, it takes two to tango. They've tried to, and, you know, we'll see what happens um, towards more towards the deadline. But honestly, if, if they're trying to compete right now, like, sooner rather than later, because the, the schedule gets really tough, um, starting basically this weekend, you have the Cardinals... You go to Baltimore, you go to Minnesota for four, then you're back home 
against Boston and Houston. Then you go out west for San Diego and Arizona. Like, <laughs> like that's a pretty significant road trip. So, or a, a group of games. And by then, you could be... <laughs> it could be a disaster. Or, by the end of that... By, what is that, June 5th, that Monday, after four game series in Minnesota, you can be in first place. Like, legitimately. So, let's wait and see. But I think... I. Again, I think that's kind of what I was just like, why are people so angry? And it's like, oh, because we called up all of our prospects, except, again, except Bo Naylor and Rokio, and Valera's hurt. But you look at the 40-man, and it's like, there's not that one guy where it's like, he could he could help. He can help immediately, except, obviously, Bo Naylor. But it's like, all these other guys, are they're years away. Because they had to put him on the 40-man so they didn't lose him to, to the Rule 5. But I was like, adding Noel, a basically Framo Reyes-type player, like, back, I just don't, I don't know. It just doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make much sense to me. Unless, like, it, I don't think it was going to be like an Anthony Santander-type loss in the Rule 5. Where Baltimore was really, really struggling and they took him when he was a... An, an A player at Lake County. And again, at that point, you know, Cleveland was competing, so it's like they were kind of in a roster crunch anyway. And yes, Santander's really good now. Hi, obviously, high inside's always twenty twenty, but it's like, you know. Or like last year, like maybe just go out and you make that Sean Murphy deal. Um, or, you know. But I, again, they've been aggressive. They were aggressive in free agency. Now, I will say... If they never want to spend another dime in free agency, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm cool with it. <laughs> because what Josh Bell, and again, Josh Bell's been what Carl Santana was basically his entire career, except a little less power. But, you know, it is what it is. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode of whatever podcast you're listening to. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at CaitlinNoCLE. That is Caitlin, K-A-T-L-A-N, knows K-N-O-W-S-C-L-E. And if you're listening to this on Crunch Time with Caitlin and you want more baseball stuff all the time, if you want to check out Leadoff Talk, that is uh, L-E-A-D-O-F-F-T-A-L-K, Leadoff Talk podcast uh, with myself and uh, my buddy Gabe Yanez. So, um, you know, check that out wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're listening to Leadoff Talk, I'm sure you probably know of Crunch Time with Caitlin. So... Um, but again, just follow me on Twitter and we can yell about the Guardians more. So, as always, friends, take it easy.